welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach the show by emailing us championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor, representing Derby County on the podcast. You can get me on Twitter at booktaylor64, and I'm also a Derby County blogger for the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. Hi, I'm Russ Goldman, representing Fulham Football Club on this show, and I do a show called Cottage Talk, which you can listen to on blogtalkradio.com slash cottage talk, and you can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman, and also at the Twitter account for Cottage Talk, which is Cottage Talk. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We'll start making the rounds where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, We'll start with you, Andy. Uh, you've said you've got a new manager in um, since the last time you came on this podcast anyway. And uh, so I just want to know how that's going. And your result this weekend was a positive one. So I guess you're feeling a little bit more optimistic about Derby now. Yes. Uh, last time I was on was just on the eve of uh, Gary Rout being appointed. Um, he's had a couple of games. Um, baptism of fire uh, away at our close rivals, Nottingham Forest who themselves had appointed a, a new manager a day after we did. Um, first 45 minutes of football there was very poor, and Forrest dominated the game. We came back in the second half, two early goals, uh, dominated the second half, and they sneaked uh, a goal right in the uh, time added on. In fact, is now 10 points we've blown this season in them later stages. And I think that's something that Gary Rowett has already picked up upon. Um, we went on to last Friday night, home to uh, QPR. Uh, Ian Holloway, notorious for parking the bus and negative tactics, but being very effective against us in the past. Uh, not quite as effective this time. Once again, uh, we, uh, we dominated possession, moved the ball around well. Uh, we, we did sneak the win, but, uh, you know, I, I've heard many different views on uh, Gary Rowett's start of football. What is uh, obvious, he likes to get that ball into uh, the last quarter of the field as quickly as he can, but it isn't by hooving it. You know, there was some uh, nice passing going on. Um, we, we were threatening their goal nearly for the whole duration of the game and uh, eventually it was uh, when the ball came off their goalkeeper that Matthew Vidra stuck it in the back of the net and I think already that uh, Gary Rowett seems to have decided that playing Vidra behind Nugent is the uh, the way ahead um, you know they've looked very threatening they've both played very well in the last couple of games um, nice to see a bit of passion as well from Rowett when we scored on Friday night. You know, that uh, punch in the air. He's, he's the, uh, I think, uh, going to bring the, the passion into the job. He's going to be a different sort of character that we've had over the past few years. And overall, you know, so far, so good. 
Yeah, it's sometimes important to have a manager that shows a bit of passion, uh, especially at a club that has, has gone for a lot of managers recently. And I know Steve McLaren, although a likable character, can get a little bit frustrating with it, with his comments pre and post match and things like that. But one thing I'd like to ask you about Rowett is: is there any players that have sort of come in from the cold under Rowett? Because that often happens under new managers. Uh, and, and if not, is there any players that have sort of, you know, you think are going to take on a more important role than they had under the previous manager? Um, he's basically using the same sort of pool of players, but uh, more effectively. Um, Vidra mm, was frozen out a while ago. McLaren has given a couple of games lately. Uh, but there's been a, a good response from some players that we've lacked in the past. Uh, Johnny Russell had his best game of the season on Friday night. Uh, Craig Bryson has been brought back into the team. But, uh, you know, his absence before was only due to injury, I would have guessed, because, he, he, you know, he's one of the better squad players. But uh, I, I think Rowett more or less knows who are the best players in the team. He's made one or two adjustments, a um, couple of different benches, uh, the Forest bench and Friday night. He's had a, another look at... Uh, one of our young players. He's been very uh, praising of a couple of the, the young lads who are on the brink of the squad, Mason Bennett and Timmy Elsnick. Be very interesting to see. I think once the uh, once all the maths are done and it's mathematically impossible for the playoffs, maybe he'll uh, you know bring one or two of the young lads in and have a good look at them. Yeah, and moving on to. Fulham now, Ross. Uh, yesterday you had a good win over Rotherham United. It was not as comfortable as many predicted, but the most important thing at this stage of the season is getting those three points, and you managed to do that. What were your thoughts on the game and, and sort of the position that Fulham are in at the moment after moving into that top six? Well, you just nailed it there, Jake. It's about getting the points. It's uh, winning ugly is fine. I, I don't care how they do it. Uh, Fulham actually tend to play an attractive brand of football, but this was not it, and uh, the opponent wouldn't let them play the way they want to play, which is fine because I want to see them beat a team that puts everyone behind the ball and makes it ugly and uh, then figuring out a way to win, and that's exactly what happened. It wasn't pretty, uh, but I don't care uh, because I know that they can play a good brand of football. That's not it. At this time of the season, we were just talking about it on Cottage Talk. It's about getting the points, getting in to the playoff situation that they're in right now they are currently sixth uh now it really comes down to seven cup finals for them it's uh being able to continually stay in that spot and it's going to be tough because we have tough opponents uh and there's one coming up darby county and it's not going to be easy for us so now it really does test uh the team here and this was the first test believe it or not i know they were last and they were facing relegation but this was a true test for them can they beat teams like this? I know that they can beat teams like Newcastle United uh, that like to play football, but can they beat a team that makes it difficult on them? And uh, and they can do that now, and that's important. Winning ugly is actually a good thing for them, and they were able to do that. And now let's see if they can stay where they are. And it's not going to be easy because uh, Sheffield Wednesday is right behind them, and they, they finally leapfrogged them, but they're right there. And we finished the season uh, on the road playing Sheffield Wednesday. So it really could come down to the very end for us, but it really was a, a good point 
to get into the top six now. They've been knocking on the door, and they finally are in. So we're, we're all happy about it, but the job's not done. Yeah, a question I've got for you, Russ. It's something we, we focused on last week, and we're not touching on this week, but I'd like to get your thoughts on it because you're sort of it, right in the middle of this playoff hunt. Is Do you think that it is between Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham now, or is there any sort of other teams that you're keeping an eye on? Well, if I'm being honest, uh, it really is between us and Sheffield Wednesday, but I'm not blind. I, I do see Derby County playing under Gary Rowett, and I still fear it until until they're mathematically eliminated, and I'll throw Norwich in it. You know, I'm looking at all teams, but for right now, I mean, the main team for us to focus on would probably be Sheffield Wednesday, and and, and uh, not just them. Listen, Leeds United and Reading aren't that far off either, so... So we're looking at all the teams around us, but but really it is about Fulham, though. I mean, Fulham just need to take care of themselves. But as a fan, I am looking at all teams, and I'm not I'm not discounting Derby County at all. I see where they are. You know, they still are within a shouting distance, along with North. So along with Preston too, these teams are still there. But if Fulham take care of business, hopefully they'll be where they need to be. Yeah, and just quickly moving on to Newcastle now. Obviously, we've previously gone three matches without a win, which did create a, a few nerves within the fan base. Uh, and it, we, we were getting a little bit concerned. But then also Brighton and Huddersfield also, you know, choking as well. And, and they're struggling to get the wins. It's, it's that time of the season where, you know, as, as I just said with Russ, you know, it's the most important thing is just getting those three points, whatever way they come. Because, it, you know, you're not going to get awards for playing great football at this stage. You get you get promotion if you're the best team. And that is to, you know, grind out results when, it, when you need to do that. We managed to do that this weekend. Um, it was not the greatest performance. We had... All our sort of big hitters out on the pitch. We had Dwight Gale, John Joe Shelby, Matt Ritchie, um, Isaac Hayd was back on the bench. So we had a good team out, and I sort of did expect us to to get maybe a, a, a comfortable win, but that didn't happen. And I'm not too annoyed about that. That you know we got the win. Uh, the first the first half was a little bit nervy. Wigan got a few chances. They were revitalised under their sort of caretaker manager. That seems to be the, the theme in football at the moment. Bringing in one of the coaches to, to take over the first team. You have it at Leicester with Craig Shakespeare is doing excellently. And, and Wigan were, played very well under Gar, uh, Graham Barry yesterday. They maybe have a chance of staying up. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. But just going back to Newcastle, we, we got the goal under Dwight, uh, through Dwight Gale, which was massive. I thought from that stage we were going to go on and win it, but we did a classic Newcastle thing and, and gave a goal away, which we probably shouldn't have done. But we we recovered well and, and played at St. James's Park hasn't been easy recently. Fulham came and beat us there. Bristol City, QPR both came and, and got points. So it's it it hasn't been the easiest thing for us, but it was a massive mental mental victory for us yesterday. Just it just it was a huge for our for how the squad go into matches at St. James's Park that we've got that win because we've got, I think, four of our last seven matches are going to be at St. James's Park. So, so it's crucial that we have that confidence that we can get results there. And we, we got that yesterday. Um, it wasn't comfort- it wasn't easy. It wasn't, you know, great to watch, but we got the three points. And we are now 10 points clear of third place. So that is the gap that I'm focusing on. I don't care about Brighton. They they won yesterday they can keep winning I'm not overly bothered about winning the league of course I want Newcastle to finish top of the championship this season but that is not the main priority it's, it's that gap to third place and it's extended to 10 points now I know uh, Huddersfield have a game in hand but they've lost their last two matches against teams in, in the bottom third of the table 
and I just think they are struggling with the pressure. It, they when they were sort of 10, 12 points off the top two and winning every week, they didn't have the pressure because it wasn't expected of them. But now they've got so close to the top two, they have struggled. And I just think it's a full-goal conclusion that Newcastle and Brighton will go up. I'm not, I know there's a lot of football to play. I know it's possible. But in my own mind, I'm pretty sure Newcastle and Brighton will get those two spots. And they probably deserve it over the course of the season. So we, we, there's been a lot of talk about sort of transfer targets for next season. I'm, I'm not getting that far ahead of myself. I'm just focusing on the next seven games. I want Rafa Benitez to stay at the club. That's the main thing. But before that, I want to, to get promoted. And a win on Tuesday against Burton will t- you know, take us a long way to doing that, I think. Um, the other thing that happened at Newcastle this week was they announced the Player of the Year nominations. We talked about it a little bit last week with, with the Team of the Year, but Dwight Gale was announced as one of the three nominees for Player of the Season. It's probably He d- deserves to be involved in those three. I'm not convinced he's going to win the award. Um, maybe he will if, if he has a good end to the season. But, you know, it's good to see him getting, you know, the 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 publicity that he deserves because he's had a great season after dropping down from the Premier League. So that was good to see. Uh, I'm sure Russ has one or two thoughts about Tom Kenny not being nominated for this <laughs> award. But Dwight Gale deserves to be one of those three, at least in, in my mind. But we'll just move on to the topics now. Uh, and the first one I want to talk about, something we don't talk about too often on this show. We normally focus on the playoffs and, and the top two. But I just want to talk about the relegation battle with YouTube because I know, Russ, you watch... Uh, every Fulham game uh, after yep. after they've happened on the reruns. So I know that, Andy, you go to a lot of matches as well, so you'd have seen a lot of the teams at the bottom. So I just want to know your sort of views on that at the moment. Who do you think will go down after, after Rotherham were confirmed at the weekend after Fulham beat them? So we'll start with you on this one, Russ. What, what are your thoughts on what's been at the bottom of the league? It's interesting because uh, I do get a chance to watch all these teams, and uh, I think Wigan is going to go down. If you're asking me right now, I, I, I definitely think it's going to be Wigan and uh, I, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think they're going to eventually go down. And the next one might surprise you guys. It might not. I don't know. But I'm going to say Bristol City and not Blackburn. I think Blackburn are going to stay up. Uh, and part of the reason is the manager. I just think that he will do enough for that team to stay in the division. So I am going to go with Bristol City. Uh, it's funny because uh, part of me thinks that Bristol City have, have a shout to stay because Abraham's back now, but I just like the situation with uh, Blackburn with the uh, with the manager. So I'm going to say Bristol City and Wigan will be the other two teams. Yeah, Andy, would you agree with that, or, or do you think that there's another t- any other teams that could possibly go down? I don't know. It seems to be whoever, as, as we've mentioned in previous uh, shows, uh, whenever mentioned the third team to go down. They seem to pick up a bit of form. Um, Bristol City are a possibility. I'm not 100% convinced, though, because uh, they're a better team than their league position, says. Um, Blackburn, possibly, I'm a favourite. Burton Albion aren't out of the wood yet. Um, but uh, had a cracking result on Saturday. And they seem to have a bit of resilience about them as well when they come up against the big side. So, you know, I think Newcastle could be in for a tough time when they play. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to mention another team. Uh, there are only two points above the drop zone. Yeah, Russ knows who I'm going to mention. <laughs> I know who you're um, going to mention. Some, some team that play in red, the, the other side <laughs> of Brian Cloughway. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, Mark Warburton, 
is a decent manager. They have got enough there to push them towards safety. But I've gone through all the remaining fixtures between now and the end of the season. And I, I actually had them going down by a point. But wow. Saying that, but I didn't have them getting a point at Preston. I had them losing at Preston. So it never goes to plan. You always get the twists and turns, um, you know, uh, on the on the home straight. Uh, if you're pushing me, I will say Blackburn. But any of those teams that I mentioned, you know, they're truly in the mix. Yeah, I just want to touch on one team that you haven't mentioned that is currently six points above the bottom three, and that is Birmingham City. Uh, oh. And my reason for mentioning them is because I'm looking, I've got their fixtures up in front of me now, and they look pretty tough. Uh, they go away to Brighton on Tuesday, and anyone knows that, you know, Bright, going to Brighton is difficult. Only Newcastle have won there this season. I think their home record stretches far beyond that as well. And I can't see them losing at the Amex uh, to, to uh, Birmingham. Then after that, they've got... The small, the small test of Gary Rowett coming back to St Andrews, <laughs> and Eddie, and we all know what happens in football when these things happen. That he he will get the win because it's just that just happens. So that for in my mind that is two losses for them, and and by that stage the the gap probably goes down to maybe three or four points, and then they've got. A couple of winnable games in Rotherham and Burton, but sometimes the most the most dangerous teams to play are those that have nothing to play for. And I, I think that's a difficult game for them. I, I know Ross would, would agree that Rotherham played very well yesterday against Fulham. He did. Exactly. So, you know, I think that would be difficult. And then Burton, Aston Villa, Huddersfield and Bristol City on the final day. And it could be that Bristol City against Birmingham City on the final day could be a massive game in the relegation battle. I, I think that's going to be huge. So. I fear for Birmingham. I think Blackburn are playing quite well under Tony Mowbray. They're getting their scoring goals. They're, they're a little bit more solid at the back and they, they look good. I think Bristol City have enough players in their squad to get out of it. I think they should have sucked their manager a long time ago, but they didn't. Uh, but I think that won't come back to haunt them too much. I think they sh- they'll probably get rid of him in the summer and they should just about stay up. I think Burton get results. Uh, Nigel Clough is an excellent championship manager. He's shown that. So... Yeah, and I, and I think Mark Warburton will, will probably get Nottingham Forest safe. So when I'm looking at it, I really do fear for Birmingham. Um, wow. What do you guys think on that? Do you think that they're a possibility? Wow. Uh, now that you really laid that out, Jake, uh, I, can I change my mind? <laughs> uh, you made a very strong argument. And uh, listen, it, it would, you know, uh, after what happened to Rowett, it, you know, uh, they kind of deserve it. But uh <laughs> But uh, I actually have have some good friends that that are supporters of that team, and I I, I don't want to see that team get relegated for them. But but uh, now you've made a strong argument because of all the situations that are in front of them. I didn't even bring up Burton, and part of the reason why I didn't is uh, their resiliency under under Nigel Clough. I, I think Nigel Clough has done a nice job there, so I agree with you there. So yeah, may, maybe Birmingham City. I still you know again I. I Watching up for Bristol City, I, I just I fear for them. That's why I have them, and I I don't think Blackburn's going to be the team. But but you made a good argument for Birmingham City, Andy. Yeah, uh, I'm sure Gary Rowett uh, won't need any encouragement to uh, <laughs> go for the jugular when we visit St Andrews. That was one of the but stupidest I mean, move moves of the, of the season, Jake. By the way, sacking that guy. Yeah, I'd agree that I'd, I think it was an awful decision because before that, I had them down as my third team to go up. I thought they would stay in the playoffs or around those positions. 
and be the ones that could go through the playoffs with with Gary Rowett at the helm. But then they made that decision, and they've only gone one way since. So yeah. I do really fear for them. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. Can I just? I mean, as much as Gary Rowett is going to want to go there and win, and we will, you know, we will be all out there to get the three points. Um, if that proves to be vital in whether they stay up or stay down. Now, I'm sure he won't mind rubbing the board's noses in there, uh, rubbing the board's noses in it. But the fans, obviously, yeah, a little, uh, think a little bit differently because, to be honest, when he got the sack there, their fans were up in arms. And a lot of them now, they said when we appointed him, you know, they wished him well, they wish he was still the boss there. So, uh, you know, and like Russ says, it's, it was one of the most stupidest moves, uh, managerial-wise, of the season. And, uh, you know, I'm 100% sure they'd be top six now if they'd kept him there. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I think it's difficult because there's a lot of games to go and you never know what will happen. One team might go on a run. Uh, we've seen that with Rotherham last season. Um but yeah, I, I, at the moment, my three would be uh, Wigan. I agree with Wigan. I thought they played well against us yesterday, but that that gap to, to safety looks a little bit too big for them. Unfortunately, I think they made the wrong decision bringing Warren Joyce, a, a man who'd never managed a, a senior team before. And I think that's probably what's going to cost them their championship status. But that final spot is, is very interesting. And there's five or six teams that could get that. Uh, at the moment, I'm leaning towards Birmingham, but I would also fear for... Um, Bristol City, if they if they if Birmingham didn't drop like like I expect them to, because I think I I just think they've made the wrong decision keeping their manager, but they do have a squad that is. Although I hate the saying, it doesn't look to be too good to go down. The, Tomlin is a very good player. They've got Tammy Abraham scoring goals. Um, Taylor, the the guy they signed from the uh, Bristol Rovers as well, is is a nice player. They got Bailey Wright from Preston, who who James who comes to this show sometimes uh, as. T- talked about him being a good centre-back. So I think they, they should have enough, but it's fascinating. I think it's maybe even more fascinating than what's going on at the top of the league. Uh, and it doesn't maybe get the enough coverage that, that it deserves. But we just, I just want to move on now to, to the second topic, which is um, which do you think has been the best signing made by a championship club this season? I'm sure we all have players at our own clubs, but uh, throughout the rest of the league as well. So we'll start with you on this one, Andy. Uh, is there any player that was a new signing this summer that you think has done maybe far beyond what was expected of them? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a few that uh, have merit. Honourable mentions for Glenn Murray. Uh, as far as season loan signings goes, a player you've just mentioned, Tammy Abraham, done a really good job at Bristol City. But uh, I think if you study some of the transfer fees that have been paid during the two windows, I think £10 million for Dwight Gales is snitch, to be quite honest. Uh, when you're uh, coming down with your parachute money, he's banged in, is it 20, 21 goals now this season? £10 million is not a lot of money to Newcastle United. They haven't been reckless. I think it was a very clever, astute signing. Uh, it's been very good value for money. And to me, you know, it, it's it's his goals that's got you up, you know, top of the deal. And uh, goals give you points and points make prizes. So to me, it's got to be Dwight Gale. Yeah, Russ, 
what are your thoughts on, on this one? Do you, is, is there any players that stick out either at Fulham or elsewhere in the league? Well, I'm not going to name a Fulham player just because, uh, you know, I, I, I could. But uh, at this level, I think uh, Andy named both of the players I was thinking of, and that was Dwight Gale. But I'm going to go with Glenn Murray. And the reason why I'm going with Glenn Murray is that Brighton came close last season to uh, to uh, gaining promotion. And they needed the player to take them over the top. And I think it's uh, Glenn Murray. Uh, it, you know, again, I, I, we can go back and forth. It could say Dwight Gale. But I'm, I'm going to say Glenn Murray. I'm glad that Andy brought up Tammy Abraham because Tammy Abraham is a real player. And that that's a tremendous signing. Wasn't even going there. Uh, thinking about it, like, yeah, I, Andy brought that to the table. Great player to bring up. If I'm going to name a foam player for me that's been the signing so far for, for us, uh, it would be between Kevin McDonald and, uh, and uh, well, again, I, I it, it could be uh, between a, several players, but for me, it's it's the players in the midfield. So I'll say Kevin McDonald or uh, or Stefan Johansson, but uh, that's just for Fulham. But but overall for the league, I would say uh, for me, it's Glenn Murray. Well, I'm going to surprise you here, Ross, because I have a Fulham down. Uh, Fulham player down really? in front of me, and and you have not mentioned his name, so I'm going to bring him to the table and see what you say. No, it's not Sonny Aluko. He, he, it's Thomas Callas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought I, every time I've seen him this season, I've been impressed, yeah. and I think that def- he, he did very well with Middlesbrough when he was on loan there. And defenders in this league, I think, are arguably more important than strikers, because I think Fulham's problem before was was they were scoring goals. They had yeah. Cormac and Dembele, but it was it was the other end. And I think that has improved a lot this season. I know that you you maybe think that you'd like a slightly better defence, and, and there's sure. been a few goals and things like that. But I, when, every time I've watched him play, uh, when I was at Craven Cottage to watch Newcastle play, he was excellent yep. that day. And and every time since then, he's been excellent. So he he's one that I I think deserves a mention. The yep. other one that I, I obviously had Tammy Abraham and. Glenn Murray in my mind as well, but another one is Tom Lawrence at, at Ipswich. Maybe not a player that people think about because Ipswich, you know, they're, they're in mid-table. They they draw every week, it seems. They're not the most exciting team. But what his goals have done, is it means that they've not been in a relegation battle. At least they haven't been one to this stage. I know there's still a chance they could go down, but I think he's, he's very good. And I think any championship team next season should be looking to sign him from Leicester because I don't think Leicester will keep hold of him. I don't think they, they really see a place from there. And I'm not sure he's quite good enough for the Premier League yet. So I think any team in the championship next season... He should be at the top of their lists um, to sort of sign. So I was just—I'm so surprised you didn't bring up Callis yourself for us. Yeah, I'm very embarrassed right now because because we talk about him all the time of, of being the signing, and I, I don't know why I blanked on on Callis because Callis has been a very important sign. Maybe because I think of it as a loan. I don't th- I don't think of it in the same way. Maybe that's the reason why, Jake. But. Uh, uh, but Tomas Callas is someone that you know he's he's on top. We just talked about it on Cottage Talk of a player that that we want Fulham to sign. It's Tomas Callas because uh, we're not where we are without him. So uh, I look like an idiot now. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> That's fine. I, I I'm glad I sort of swept that one up for you and, and made sure he wasn't missed out in this discussion. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> no, 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 no. Good call by you. Seriously, I. You know, very good call because Tomas Kallis has been a very important player for Fulham, and I cannot believe that I choked on that one. Thank you. 
Yeah, and, uh, just before we move off off this one, there, there's another player that I've just this just sort of comes to my mind that I think deserves a mention. I think he was in the team of the season as well that was announced a couple of weeks back, and that is Huddersfield's Aaron Moy. I think he's been very good. Oh yeah, arguably probably the best central midfielder in the league this season. I, I'd probably place him above Shelby purely because I think Shelby's not lived up to what he could be, uh, what he was for the first half of the season. I don't think he's lived up to that again. So I think Moy has probably been the best central midfielder. And he's another one. He's got a contract at Manchester City, but I think he's 26 years old. He probably doesn't have a future at Manchester City. I think they brought him in from one of their satellite clubs um, just to make a quick profit on it. He's he's done exactly what they wanted him to do at Huddersfield, had a good season. And if no Premier League clubs are going to be interested in him next season, I think he's another one for championship sides to look at because he's been excellent. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. Moving on to player watch now, uh, I just want to ask each of you which player impressed and disappointed in your club's most recent fixture. It's okay to mention a player from the other team if you can't think of one of your own players to mention for either category. So start with you on this one, Andy. Who impressed and disappointed for Derby? Uh, last couple of games, Matthew Vidra has been played in position behind the striker. Two games, we've uh, put a very good shift in both. Two goals and you can see the guy's now buzzing. Now he's mm, where it best suits him. You, you know, the guy's happy. This, this is the thing about it. If you're banging in square pegs into round holes and it's not working, um, players aren't going to be happy. When you get them doing the job that they were bought for, uh, and, and, and overall, there, there seems to be a... a it, it, it's rubbed off on the rest of the team. Um, I'm really scraping the barrel to uh, have a disappointment. Perhaps I would have to go back to Boris Jack. I didn't think Marcus, Hol- Marcus Olsen had his best game defensively. Uh, young Ben Brereton was uh, turning him inside out. Um, but other than that, I've been pretty pleased with uh, every player that's pulled on a Derby shirt. Yeah, same question for you, Ross. Who impressed and disappointed for Fulham in your win over Rotherham United? Well, we just did a show and we were talking about this and I I agree with uh, who my co-host had as man of the match. It was David Button. Uh, David Button is a goalkeeper that uh, fans go back and forth on, uh, you know, because we have another goalkeeper, Marcus Badnelli, that uh, was uh, our goalkeeper last season along with... uh, another goalkeeper, but, uh, you know, we thought he was going to be our starting goalkeeper. And then they brought in button and, and button has done a, a solid job. And he was actually very good in this match. Uh, he made a key save, uh, after, uh, a bad miss by Chris Martin, have to mention the bad miss by Chris Martin. Uh, but he was, uh, he was key in this match. So he, he was someone that definitely impressed me. Um, Disappointed, I, you know, again, I'm going to m- mention Chris Martin just because he had a sitter that he missed. 
But on the flip side, he actually played very well after that miss and was actually key in the uh, winning goal from Fulham. He actually got the ball back into the uh, mad scramble uh, that eventually led to the Fulham goal. So even though I'm mentioning it as a player that disappointed because he he uh, missed a, a sure goal, uh, it was right in front of him and he just missed it, uh, he made up for it after that and actually uh, – celebrated with the team when they scored the goal. So that was good. You know, with, with the whole Chris Martin situation, we saw some of the, the bad, but we also saw some of the good. So even though he definitely disappointed me, he made up for it. Yeah, quickly, but just before I move on to, to Newcastle, I just want to ask you about Tom Kearney because he's sure. obviously a player who, who's, create, who's creating a lot of sort of hype in the media. I think he's, he's been talked about in the national media and, and he's getting the attention that his performances have deserved. What are your thoughts on his situation at the club? Because do you, do you think that you need promotion to keep him? Or do you think he's a player that will be staying at Fulham for the next few seasons at least? I think he's going to stay, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, he's under contract for another two seasons, and we have an option for a third. Uh, that doesn't mean that that he's definitely going to stay because we know players move, and, and uh, if a player wants to move, you know things can happen. But I feel strongly that he's going to stay at the club. Uh, Savisa has made him captain. I feel that they built the team around Tom Kearney. Uh, Tony Khan told us on Cottage Talk that his father went out to to uh, to make the deal for Tom Kearney a couple seasons ago. He got involved, so, so uh, the club understands the importance of Tom Kearney. I think they're going to do whatever they can to hold on to him. And... Uh, He's that important to what Fulham want to do. Uh, but every player has his price. If, if the price is high enough, uh, they have to look at it. As a business, you have to look at it. But I think the odds are in our favor that, that regardless of us going up to the Premier League or not, I think he's going to be with us. That is interesting because a lot of the local Newcastle uh, media believe he's he's one of our top transfer targets in the summer. Oh, we're aware of that. We're aware and, of and, and obviously, his performance at St. James Park would have done nothing to stop that interest. Yeah. So, if anything, oh. it would have heightened it. So, oh, so we're, what, how, we're expecting a bid from Newcastle United. We're, we're expecting it. <laughs> so, what sort of fee do you think would would have to be on the table for Tom Kearney to leave this well, summer? Well, it's funny. We, we were just talking about it, uh, you know, because, you know, reportedly, they're looking for $20 million. What like $20 million is the... Uh, is, is the uh, is the asking price. Uh, realistically, let's, let's be realistic. Uh, you know, we were talking about this. My co-host said if, uh, if a club came in for 12 million pounds on him, the club would have to look into that. And I think that's that would be a starting point. I, I, I think you have to look at least around there for someone that, 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 that is that important to Fulham, and then we'll take it from there. If, if they're... If they're uh, Really, at twenty million, like it's been reported, I, I don't think any team's going to come in for him. But but we'll see. I mean, I think twelve million. I think I think at that point you have to both uh, the club looking into it. You know, I think twelve million is a is a reasonable fee for him. You know, I I, I think that's got to be the starting point. And I think if uh, a club comes in for tw- uh, for twelve million, I think Fulham have to consider it. I'm not saying do it because I I don't. I don't want to sell them at all. I want to make that perfectly clear. But as a business, you have to weigh what's more important. Is it the player or what you can do with the money? And that's, I think that's the point where you have to at least consider it. But um, 
12 million, I, I think that's the point where you have to look at. Yeah, I, th- I think 12 million would be a fair price uh, for a deal, but I, I think maybe a little bit more would be needed to convince Fulham yeah. to sell. I, th- right. I think the one the one thing against Fulham in, the, in, in any possible negotiation for Kearney is that he's never played in the Premier League. He hasn't. Correct. So that 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 has to you know that's going to come into it because playing in the Premier League adds value to any player, especially if they've done well there. Uh, it, and there's always does. doubts about players from the Championship. It does, Jake. Uh, and I just want I just want to mention one thing about Kearney. Uh, because in the championship, he does get a lot of space. If he does go in, in the Premier League, he won't obviously get the space that he generally gets here. And and also, just, just one other thing, you know, I you know I, I love Tom Kearney. He is extremely left-footed, so just keep that in mind. I'm obviously telling you these things because I don't want Newcastle United to come in for him. <laughs> I, I I would be quite happy with signing Tom Kearney, but obviously yeah. I, I think I, – I, I, I think – it should be approached with caution, depending on the fee. If it was any yeah. more than fifteen million, I I think it, it's maybe not a, a deal that suits yeah, you. I'm just saying it's not going to be easy. I know you guys are interested. It's going to take a lot. I just put, you know, you, you asked me for a number, and I and I say twelve million is is a starting point. But but you're right. It's probably going to be much higher than that. Moving on to our game this week, we do not have Tom Kearney, so I will be talking about other players. Um, <laughs> The player that impressed for me, it, it wasn't uh, a great performance. It's difficult to pick out anybody that, that really impressed, but uh, I thought Matt Ritchie was very good again. Uh, he's been overlooked like Kenny has for, for a lot of the championship awards. He wasn't in the team of the season. He's not been nominated for player of the season, although there's a case that he's Newcastle's player of the season. So, so you know, maybe he should have been in that ahead of Dwight Gale for what he's contributed overall. Uh, a lot of what he does goes unnoticed because it, it's the organisation, the leadership, the work rate. It's it's very difficult to to measure those things in statistics and quantify them. But he's excellent for us. He always leads by example. Um, he scores goals. He got another goal yesterday at a crucial time. Uh, he just never gives up, and he's 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 excellent to have on your team. Uh, when we were struggling in the Premier League, one of the main things that the uh, what we're complaining about was that we didn't expect we didn't expect to have a team that wins. Uh, that's one of the myths about Newcastle fans that they expect to be in the top four of the Premier League. That's not the case. We just want a, a team of players that try, and that is why people like Matt Ritchie, Dwight Gale, Kieran Clark, and Daryl Murphy have all sort of been taken into the hearts of Newcastle fans because they all do that. And I, I'm excited to see what Matt Ritchie can do in the Premier League next season because I thought he had a, an okay one for Bournemouth. Uh, before we signed him, but I think that there's potential for a lot more, and hopefully he can show that. And he was excellent yesterday, and was probably the difference between the two sides. I, I know that's easy to say because he got the goal, but in, in a lot of other departments as well, he, he was just well. He was just easily the best player on the pitch, so he deserves a mention. For the player that disappointed, it was dif- it's difficult. Um, everyone sort of delivered a, a six out of ten performance, but I thought that. That Yoen Gufran and Vernon Anita, they're both playing for, for new contracts, and I don't think either of them really impressed enough. I think they were both okay, but I wouldn't, uh, I, I don't think they've done enough for me to get new contracts. So that I, I'd probably just give them a name check for that. But just before we wrap up today, I just want to discuss the fixtures we've got coming up in the week because there's a full uh, midweek calendar of fixtures. So, <laughs> and very, very uh, usefully for me, it's turned out that Derby and Fulham will be meeting on Tuesday so I just want to get your thoughts on that one we'll start with you Andy and then Russ you can you can cut in with your views as well sure 
Yes, uh, it'll be very, very interesting this one. Um, it will be, uh, <laughs> be interesting to see uh, what Gary Rowett does in his first game against a top six side. Now, Fulham, I think, played a 4 2 3 1. We're playing a 4 2 3 1. Um, there's goals in both teams in, in, uh, in, in them formations. Uh, I can see a game with a lot of goal manufacturing. And both both defences have, you know, uh, leaked the odd goal in us too as well. Um, I think it'll be a very difficult game. I think Gary Rowett will probably uh, be studying the films of Fulham in their past few games and uh, aiming to weaknesses, taking the obvious there. But uh, that is what he is known for, is to, uh, you know... Uh, pile in the pressure where a team is weak. Um, how I think this game will go, that is a very good question. Um, it could be a win, could be a draw, um, it could be a loss. Uh, all, all three uh, possibilities there are, are very realistic. I'm going to myself, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Okay, it's my turn on this one, and uh... Listen, this is going to be a very difficult game, and uh, Andy just really mentioned the reasons why uh, this is going to be difficult. Uh, and if it's funny because if Steve McLaren was still in charge of Derby County, I'd be going for victory here uh, because Fulham play very well on the road, and uh, they won't go to uh, Pride Park fearing Derby County, but. Uh, I, I I would feel that we would have the tactical advantage over McLaren with, with Jokanovic. Uh, Gary Rowett has been Fulham's kryptonite the last couple seasons. He really knows how to play against us. So that definitely gives uh, Derby County a leg up. There's no question about that. Uh, but uh, like I mentioned, Fulham do play well on the road. They will be prepared, and I know... Derby County will be prepared, and I'm expecting this to be a, a very open match. There will be goals. I don't think there are going to be as many goals as maybe Andy thinks. Uh, team, the teams do leak the occasional goal, but I'm going to go for a draw here. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a 1-1 draw, and uh, I'll take a point. I, I definitely would, would seriously take a point, but I think all three situations are definitely on the table. I could see them losing. I could definitely see a draw, and believe it or not, I could see a victory. Uh you know, um, the one thing that I think Fulham have going for them in this match is that um, we have pace and we have pace off the bench. So we have a tendency to wear teams down. So if this match is close going in the second half, I like my team's chances because of uh, the pace that we have. It definitely wears teams down and we do possess the ball. I knew that that Derby County does as well. But we're not going to make it easy on them to possess the ball. Uh, we are going to go there to possess the ball. So uh, it's going to be interesting, but I am going for that 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah, it's interesting for me as a neutral. It's probably one of the standout fixtures of the the midweek games. I think Derby, if they're going to finish in the playoffs, I know it, it's unlikely and it's an outside shot, but they've still got a chance. And a win this, this week would definitely open up that possibility um and with Sheffield Wednesday playing Rotherham United I think there's a chance Fulham if they draw or, or draw points that they will fall out of those playoff places so it's it's definitely an an interesting one I think Fulham's away record would probably edge it for me but um 
it's def- definitely one to keep an eye on this this week uh, for fans not of those two clubs because I think it's probably the, the the most attractive fixture on the face of it. But I'll just move on to my own fixture. Um, Newcastle have got Burton at home. It's another another home game, which which <laughs> I fills me with apprehension because we're not great at home. But we we got that win over Wigan. But this is going to be another tricky game. Burton will come. They will set up deep they'll look to soak up pressure get the fans on the players backs and then try and nick on the break and they've got some good players um russ russ will agree Corley woodrow Corley Rudrow is a very talented player he maybe didn't do as well for Fulham as he, he maybe should have done but he's very excellently for burton and he's certainly a player that can cause problems they've got you know it's just a very good squad of players that they've they've put together on quite a budget and They'll be full of confidence after getting a result of Huddersfield. They'll probably look to play the same way against us. But I think we'll get the win. I think beating Wigan was a massive sort of thing for our mentality. I think it will give the players a little confidence. And we should be beating Burton Albion if we're going to win this league uh, or even get promoted. Um, we've got the quality. We we should have the confidence in the squad. Uh, Benitez is it's proven to be very shrewd and it doesn't get the credit that he deserves for what we've done this season because when you look at Villa and Norwich it's just it's very difficult to bounce back at the first attempt and it looks like we're going to do that with relative comfort so I, I think we're going to win this I don't think I think it's going to be a huge victory or maybe a 1-0 or 2-1 something like that but I think we will get the win and take us on to 84 points which is probably only three three wins away from, from confirming, confirming promotion which would be great to do at the early possible opportunity but that is it for today so thanks uh to both russ and andy for coming on today if you just want to tell people where they could reach you or any projects you're involved in that'll be a good time okay well you can reach me at blogtalkradio.com slash cottage talk is where you can listen to the show you can uh follow me on twitter russ underscore goldman and also at cottage talk that's a twitter account for the show Andy Buckley-Taylor, Twitter at BuckTaylor64, and I'm a Derby County blogger for the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. Yeah, you get my personal Twitter account at JakeJackWith2Ns. I wrote for EPL Index and The Boot Room, so check both of them out. I just want to thank Andy and Russ uh, again for coming on today, and thank you guys for listening. We hope you join us again soon. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.